the Protect Your Neck podcast. Interview with B Water director Bao Wen. We talk about the documentary, Bruce Lee's Asian American experience, and how it all relates to today. Strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. Hello, my friends. This is Nan Tom, analyst and writer. You can find at MMAJunkie.com. This here program of the Protect Your Neck podcast is usually a breakdown episode, so if you're tuning in looking for the UFC 250 breakdown, that'll be on this feed within 24 hours or so uh, from you hearing this, uh, depending on how I do as you hear from my voice. Uh, but this is an interview uh, episode, not typically an interview show, uh, as I said off the top, but you know, I got the opportunity to interview um, director of uh, upcoming Bruce Lee 30 for 30 be water uh, which premieres this Sunday uh, June 7th 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and ESPN plus um, and with that opportunity was able to get my hands on a screener um, which was really cool and got to watch it and it was really really great I'm, I'm gonna be very careful not to talk about it as I try not to talk about it even too much um, in the interview you're gonna hear which runs about 20 minutes um, and by the way, apologies on some of the quality uh, parts of it. I was kind of recording it on the fly with a good microphone, but, uh, you know, your boy here doesn't have experience as my colleagues as far as those on-the-phone interviews, and I'm sure there was a better way to do it, um, but it took some editing, which is why it's, it's a bit later than promised, but it was a good interview. I'm very grateful to the time of the director, and, um, you know, who also, like myself, is an Asian-American with his own experience coming from Vietnam, whereas... Uh, I myself was uh, am half Chinese for people unaware, um, along with a bunch of other crap, you know, like Italian, Japanese, Irish, and Nordic. But like, the point is, you know, I'm not like a, you know, it, it's racial sensitive times, and uh, you know, I've always tried to take more of the, the John Lennon approach, and just uh, you know, in the sense of uh, being more of a hippie about things and not not really worrying about that stuff. But at the same time, yes, I, I, I've done my due diligence on my heritage and I'm and proud of it, but was still surprised to learn a lot about uh, both Bruce Lee and my Chinese heritage because without giving anything away, the film's not so much on Bruce Lee the martial artist or Bruce Lee the superstar in his movies or showing footage you've never really seen before. It's not even so much that, although there is some really great footage um, in this um, it's more about Bruce Lee's journeys, uh, struggles as a yes, an Asian American assimilating, which had very crazy parallels to what's going on in the world today. Both you know, 1960s United States and even Hong Kong, which I was not aware of, and I won't spoil it for you. But um, it was very refreshing, you know, uh, as far as that goes. Um, and um, and yeah, I, I feel like. Even if you're not Asian American or into Bruce Lee, so to speak, I feel like all um, all races can get a lot from this. Kind of just like all races and cultures kind of transcended and became fans of Bruce Lee. He was, you know, this this kind of gets at the root of that and and where his 
you know, stances on things were and, and how that played into why he was able to play genuinely to many crowds and have genuinely have many, you know, diverse types of friends. Um, so it was really cool. I really suggest you guys watch it. Thank you for tuning in for this interview. I'll probably have a couple more words to close things off um, because, again, I try to keep my breakdowns to just breakdowns, and this does kind of, you know, uh, give a chance to speak culturally, but perhaps from a, a third-party perspective, a alternate perspective, if you will, that doesn't necessarily get a lot of love and, and in a time where, you know, it's not my thing, but... Uh, it may not be your thing, but unfortunately, as part of the world we live in, there's a lot of left to right, as I say in the interview, and a lot of black and white, and um, it's good to have a little gray. So hopefully you guys enjoy the interview. Appreciate you. And without further ado, bow win. All right, I've got the director from B Water, Bowen, joining me from the program. He is cinematography credits, director credits. This guy can do it all. He's won awards for what he's done, uh, but we're really excited for his latest project, and I really appreciate his time for joining me here uh, on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Of course, this is Dan Tom, analyst of USA Today Sports and MMA Junkie. Welcome to the program, Bow. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, really appreciate uh, you coming on and really appreciate what you're doing here. Um, obviously, you know, my role is a martial arts analyst, so perhaps that's how our paths may have crossed here. Um, and I usually cover fight sports, um, you know, competed, whatnot myself. So perhaps there's obvious uh, appreciations that won't, won't surprise you if I tell you that I'm a Bruce Lee fan. But um, And I'm not trying to, you know, abuse my interview status here, but to provide context and my appreciation for your, 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 for, for your film here. Um, but also as an Asian American, a half Chinese myself, uh, and uh, you know, um, also uh, have dabbled in, in in acting and whatnot, and um, have seen a lot of the things that your documentary covers. So, with that context laid for me, this was particularly um, awesome, for lack of better words. It was, and I'm obviously going to throw to you here. It was an angle that I don't know if people are going to be expecting, but I'm really appreciative that you tackled Bao. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, as you say, a lot of people know about Bruce Lee. They have a lot of different um, kind of entry points into Bruce Lee, and we all kind of project our stories and our different interests because he was so kind of prolific, and uh, he was a renaissance man, right? He was an actor. He was a martial artist. He was a teacher. Um, but I wanted to kind of see him through a lens that, felt a bit person more personal to me um as an asian american my parents were vietnamese war refugees they left vietnam on a boat they, they were in hong kong for two or for six months in a refugee camp and then came over to america so when i was looking at bruce's story you know him leaving hong kong coming to america on a boat not having much not having many connections that that part of the story really resonated with me and trying to um, connect uh, something that I felt personal was always a goal of mine um, for all my films because I feel like those type of um, ways of storytelling feel more honest and authentic, and I hope that came through in the film when you watched it. As an, um, you know, as I use the term loosely, but as an artist and content creator of sorts, I completely agree with you as far as that note on passion. 
And when you tap into something like that, does the story at that point start to write itself? Because, and I definitely want your opinion on this. You kind of touched on it there where I don't think, you know, if I may speak for you loosely, I don't think guys like me or you would maybe relate to, you know, Bruce Lee as, as in the sense of, okay, well, even if, you know, we're in the martial arts, we're not as fast as this guy. We're not as, you know, uh, you know, we don't have, have, have the charisma, you know, or anything like that. And for, forgive me for speaking for you, but then you watch your, your, your film and this angle of, of Bruce Lee as a human being. And I think a lot of people for their own reasons, and thank you for sharing that, by the way, that, that, uh, as far as your, your, your story. And yeah, I think a lot of people are going to find, I dare say that, that they relate to a figure that they wouldn't imagine relating to. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I think that was really the main goal of the film in many ways because uh, Bruce Lee is such a cultural, global icon and like many people even see him as in this like mythical and like almost as a deity, right? And I think um, I want to unpack all that, unpack that myth of, of Bruce Lee, a myth and look at Bruce, just Bruce, the person. And I found that... Um, a lot of times when we're able to connect and empathize and and relate to our heroes, that's when we can really truly aspire to be like them. And it was important for me to find out like about Bruce's like insecurities, his fears, his vulnerabilities, because you know, Bruce Lee is such this model of masculinity and confidence, but you know, we don't know about, like, his first girlfriend, uh, Amy Sambo, in America very much. You know, that was one of the main uh, people that I, I learned the most from. She She's Japanese-American. She was in the internment camps, and she really taught Bruce what it meant to be Asian-American because he had just arrived over from Hong Kong, landing in America, not knowing kind of which part of himself he was going to show to the world and to America. And so she, she, she kind of taught him like, oh, you can be both. You can be Asian and American. And just that identity of being Asian American is something I think deeply rooted in, in Bruce's kind of confidence and pride in himself. But at the same time, he didn't want to think of himself as just his race or his nationality, right? And I think that's also a part of the story uh, that I wanted to explore that I think is very relevant obviously to what's going on today absolutely and that's a great you know jumping off point which is you know for one I really appreciated the first girlfriend perspective that was something I was ignorant on somebody who's you know uh, you know went down the Bruce Lee rabbit hole a few times let's just say and I'm also part Japanese, so you know, you know, you get these kind of stirred up things, or seeing that you know, I'm also part Irish, and seeing the Irish were the uh, were the ones policing the Chinese during the railroads. Which thank you for including that, as well as the you know Chinese exclusionary uh, exclusionary act, because again, parlaying to what you kind of. Uh, just just may have segued to is and you couldn't have planned for this not that you would and not that any of us would wish would wish for unrest anywhere but man does does history almost kind of repeat itself you know and we we're very familiar with the unrest in the in the 1960s um especially with the unrest that's going on now we tend to reflect but again uh, without spoiling too much, I want people to watch this for themselves. Uh, but you know, you talk about the unrest in Hong Kong at the time, and the parallels are very, very powerful. And I think, at least, I hope it will resonate with people because. And I'm not the political type, and I'm not trying to get political here. But we do live in a world that's very left or right, white or black, 
And I feel like Bruce and the Chinese, Asians, however you want to cut up that demographic and the importance of it, offers kind of an important third-party perspective. But you still as well highlight both sides of the left to right or white or black as they're relevant to society. And I really hope people take away the greater, which was, to me, a very positive message um, as, fel- as far as what your film, whether you purposely or, or how much of it was purposeful and obviously inadvertently really parallels uh, history. Yeah, again, it's it's hard. You can never predict what's going to go on when you release the film. Obviously, I couldn't have predicted what's going on with uh, the racial injustice in Minnesota, with uh, George Floyd, and you know, with what happened, what's happening with COVID too, where there's a lot of anti-Asian incidents directed at a whole group of people who have nothing to do with what's happening with the pandemic, right? And I think Bruce understood what it meant to just treat someone and, and, and meet someone based on who they were instead of what they looked like or where they came from. And I think that was informed by the people he met early on, not just Amy Sandbo, but Jesse Glover, his first student and being able to meet all these different types of people like in Seattle, you know, at the time it was, uh, pretty diverse community um even though it's segregated but he was talking to some you know he's he was uh working out with someone like jesse glover who was a victim of police brutality and that's that's one of the reasons that jesse decided to learn martial arts and then that informed i think the rest of bruce's approach and philosophy towards um america towards his time in america and just his philosophy even towards martial arts like you know, the idea of like bridging the gap, that martial arts idea is a different, you know, it's, I took it in a way of not, not purely through the martial arts technique of bridging the gap, but through the idea that he wanted to kind of bridge the gap between the people around him and all the differences that people were seeing. And he was trying to find the commonalities. That's why he, you know, he was able to bring his martial art, his sport, Kung Fu to a new new group of young people in, in Seattle and that's how he connected and that's how he was trying to become American by showing him the best of his culture of himself instead of thinking of all the differences that uh, that sometimes we, we dwell upon too much. Absolutely. And again, not to, you know, uh, make this about, you know, you or me or, or anyone in particular, but yes, uh, you know, that... The Asian-American struggle, I think you guys really, really nailed it on the head as far as a lot, whether you're, you know, quote-unquote a half-breed like myself, uh, as is quoted, uh, you know, from from, from another fellow half-breed. I'm sorry if I'm not speaking in politically correct terms. Uh, Hopefully people understand the context. Or whether... You you can speak for yourself. You know, own it, own it, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. Or you're, you know, just an an immigrant uh, like Bruce Lee, uh, you know, was having to, in a sense, having to come over uh, shortly after being 18 you have to make a choice and the way you guys put that in context especially with how the chinese have typically fell within you know the the race dogma for lack of a better word uh, of that unwritten book if you will although with the chinese exclusionary act some things were in fact written um i think you guys did a really great job in providing 
context for that that people again might not be aware of and i but i think they they may be particularly perceptive to again with 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 the unfortunate events of george floyd and and the unrest you know going on in um in this slash our country right now yeah totally i really appreciate that i think um i just i i wanted to view kind of what lens was different about bruce lee that we hadn't talked about because Again, people, when they think of Bruce Lee, they see him as someone that's, that's already successful, right? The, the name Bruce Lee doesn't, like, you don't think of struggle or vulnerability or someone who was rejected. You think of someone who's, like, the biggest badass in the world. And that's, you know, eventually he became that, but only really after his death. He had to go through a lot of, like, rejection, again, from Hollywood with, uh, the cancellation of the Green Hornet or, you know, being um, turned down for the role of Kung Fu, things like that are what really make a person, I feel like, all of these different failures. So I wanted to um, focus on those failures in terms of learning how, the, again, Bruce became Bruce Lee. And, you know, in no ways is this supposed to be a definitive documentary about Bruce Lee. There's so many different stories and different angles that you can approach any subject. And um, and it's also not like, I know there's a lot of fans out there who are hoping to see footage that they've never seen before. And um, that's obviously tough when you're dealing with someone who's such a legend and who has such a large fan base that's been, you know, going to yard sales and swap meets every weekend trying to find lost tapes of Bruce Lee. And so I was trying to maybe find out the more personal side and learn from the people that knew him best and get that different side of Bruce Lee. Um, So that's kind of the rare conversations, again, talking to like Amy Sambo or even uh, his brother, his younger brother, Robert Lee, who hasn't spoken on camera about him in a while. And obviously the stories of Shannon and, and Linda Lee Cadwell. And then Kareem too. Kareem uh, hasn't spoken about Bruce in a documentary in a long time. So that was obviously a unique conversation given what's happening right now. Um, because Kareem also, you know, he was also teaching Bruce. He wasn't also, he was, there's a student, but he was teaching Bruce about the civil rights movement and the black liberation movement and what was going on. Uh, and, you know, to the African American community in the 1960s. Right, right, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you put Kareem in there as well. And you're right; he hasn't spoken on Bruce um, in a while uh, because uh, I actually recently wrote an article about uh, par- partially about Kareem, but basketball players with martial arts experience. Of course, Kareem was going to come up on there. But uh, Bao, I got to also ask you because I, I, I don't want to dive too too far in. I, I do want people to watch this for themselves, but. I love how you guys portrayed the failures, like you said, of Bruce. But more specifically, um, you know, uh, again, when you were trying to, whether, as you pointed, him inserting dialogue or him inserting his own style of the fight scenes as you see the evolution through his short career, um, people don't realize, and I know you can speak to this as a director, a filmmaker, trying to get things through, uh, whether it's producers or brass or me trying to get things through my editors or chiefs. New I- new ideas are tough to present and get done in Hollywood, uh, as I, you can attest much more than me. Now, further peeling back the onion, 
whether we want to admit it or not, where those ideas come from also help the percentage of that idea coming through. So if you're a confident person or perhaps look a certain way and carry yourself a certain way, um, perhaps that you have a better chance. So the fact of without getting, you know, stating the obvious of systemic racism uh, and looking different as an Asian, but yes, as an Asian or Chinese man for him to eventually kind of get his way and, and, and as far as production say, I mean, I can't understate it. That's huge. That's huge, no? Yeah, think about it. It's the 1960s. It's um, The Asian was portrayed as a sidekick, as a heavily accented servant. They were never seen as a hero, right? As on the big screen and also in many ways in society. So you've got someone with the charisma, the confidence of Bruce Lee demanding that you know they add more lines or that uh, he can put some of his uh, philosophy into his films. That's something that Hollywood producers, um, any type of executives had never witnessed before because they were used to, for the most part, Asian Americans just like staying quiet in the corner and just uh, uh, being, just complying with, with directions. But Bruce was different. He, he took charge and was, confidence and I think people weren't necessarily ready for that and sometimes they saw it as arrogance and I think one of the things that I learned from talking to uh, his you know loved ones his friends his family is that he was very confident and you know people might see it as arrogant but he backed up everything he said I think that's important Absolutely. And Bao, thank you. You know, appreciate your time here. Uh, we'll be getting you out of here after after uh, just just two, two more quick questions. But just on that note, on one of those two questions, which is, the, yes, that's what kind of made it even, you know, the story and his accomplishments more powerful um, that he was an Asian man accomplishing this in Hollywood. But I got to ask you, just kind of speculative moving forward, uh, again, because I want people to unpack this for themselves on what you present. But now, you know, you move forward to, to today. And unfortunately, I'm not trying to end on a, a, a sour note or anything, but because you provide a positive message with your product. But in today's Hollywood, we are still seeing, you know, let's be honest, we're still seeing a lot of whitewashing, whether it's originally written or historically written rules for Asians. Um, you know, we, we've got guys like, uh, you know, I, I quote the Joe Rogan podcast where guys like uh, Eddie Huang, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with, chef, uh, book writer, fresh off the boat, uh, was saying, and I believe as well as David David Cho, who's a, a very popular artist, uh, you know, they're talking about, you know, uh, pardon my French, but like Hollywood won't let Jackie Chan, uh, uh, you know, uh, won't, won't let him, uh, you know, uh, hook up with girls, so to speak. Uh, they probably put it in a much more, <laughs> much more, uh, yeah. you know, colorful term, but yes and you see that you know where Romeo must die Eddie Wong which I, I relate to I mean, I'm the same age as him it's like man if they would have let Jet Li kiss Aaliyah I would have my dating <laughs> my dating life would have been so much better as an Asian American growing up and there's a lot of truth to that I mean even Romeo and Juliet parallel they won't even let them hold hands and I'm not trying to be yeah. negative here but but do, do you hope to see change uh, as well in that department when you when you put out a product like this yeah of course I think um you know, going back to, you know, today, in the time of COVID, where a lot of people are staying at home, right, and they don't get these face-to-face -face interactions with other people, with society, with their neighbors as much. So they're stuck at home watching television, reading books, watching films. And that's, that's their access and interaction with society. What they see on screen, those depictions 
of of people of Asian Americans of African Americans is yeah that's their that's society to them right it's reflected back and so that's why it's so important that these depictions are representative and are authentic and multifaceted that they don't show just one type of story of, of an Asian, not, you know, the show that an Asian can be a hero, an Asian could be a romantic lead. And that's why I think uh, this film is really important because it, it shows kind of the, the hero in Bruce Lee. And I mean, one of the tragic things about his early death is he would have been a great advocate for representation. He didn't want to just be a martial arts uh, action star. He wanted to play the leading man. He wanted to play like, in dramas so then people would have opportunity to see someone with the charisma as uh, bruce lee play all these roles and their ideas of what an asian asian american man is would be totally different i think right because we would have for the past 40 years we would have that that example yep. and we just haven't had it as strongly as we should no, and I, I well said, and I really hope that things like uh, what you're putting out there, thank you for that again on many layers, uh, hopefully hopefully change that. I want to be respectful of your time, Bao, but I also just got to get at least one MMA question in there. Even though it didn't focus on the martial arts, I appreciate the angle you took. I still think it represented mixed martial arts very well. I got to ask, are you a, a mixed martial arts fan, and, do you realize, and are you familiar with how much of an impact that Bruce Lee still has on that scene? Yeah, I'm, I'm at the biggest fan because when I was young, my parents kind of traumatized me because I would take uh, Kung Fu when I was, because they wanted to just instill some discipline in me. My, my father was in the military and I just got my ass whooped. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm not doing, I'm staying away from martial arts for, for a long time. And um, uh, I've always been a fan of it. I think, you know, there's a discipline and a philosophy that really important and I actually started taking Jeet Kune Do when I was uh, doing research for the film just to kind of really get in the shoes of, of Bruce uh, so I definitely respect it and I, I definitely understand Bruce's um, influence on the idea of mixed martial arts just because he's always thinking of ways to to blend different styles and not be rigid in terms of like traditions of fighting and fighting systems and I think for sure when you know Dana White says Bruce Lee is like the father of mixed martial arts that's uh, a pretty uh, true statement well you know jujitsu wasn't being said to the early 90s but if people watch uh, your documentary they're going to be pleasantly surprised on how many shouts it gets from Bruce Lee Bao thank you for your time if there's anything else you want to say the floor is yours I just want to say thank you appreciate your time and, and, and it really was a great great film thank you so much Dan, I really appreciate it, and thanks for uh, reaching out, and uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. All right, and a big thanks to Bao Win for that, director of Be Water. Again, guys and gals, you can check that out uh, this Sunday, June 7th, on ESPN, on ESPN Plus as well, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited for that. Hopefully you guys dug the interview. Um, hopefully the the volume levels were, were adjusted all right. Man, do I do I cringe list having to listen to myself in general, but especially in interview format. Um, so hopefully uh, I didn't do too bad as an interviewer. Uh, trying to sharpen those skills for y'all. Um, but yeah, again, like I said off the top and in the interview, hopefully 
that interview as well as the film itself serve as, as a nice kind of third-party perspective as to, you know, uh, what's going on and how systemic, in fact, um, racism, unfortunately, is. And I wanted to make this separate. Obviously, it's not going to fit a breakdown show with the interview. But with the topics that it touches on, um, we're certainly getting enough of it. And I think I've suggested my thoughts enough, although it seems to never be enough when you just look at the, the war of, you know, sides, sadly, for lack of a better words. Um, but at the same time, I understand people fatigued with good hearts that are fatigued, people with good hearts that are hitting that unfollow button as from small timers like myself, nobody's like myself to people with big platforms noticing and a small exodus of sorts of followers anytime you treat you tweet retweet anything in support of George Floyd black lives matter or racism in general um which is sad because like when you look at like I, I went through and I looked at some of the people unfollowing me and I'm like oh I like some of these people and then like you even go further I don't I'm not familiar with a lot of these people sure because um, I still have a lot of follows back from the, you know, follow, follow back days, like, you know, five plus years ago or whatever. And I'm not, I don't, don't want to be a dick and unfollow people unless I see like racist stuff. But I'll even go to people that unfollowed me who I guess I've offended one way or another. Although, you know, my tweets have been fairly, I think I, I, I looked at it one day. It was like two likes, two comments, uh, two retweets and one tweet in the span of like five days which isn't a lot compared to what's going on today and it was early kind of early on um but like yeah i was like wow getting a lot of follows for this and it wasn't like i don't even want to say radical left to even give any fuel from this left to right right bs that i don't like to take part in um but like they weren't even like radical left stuff they were just straight poignant um without like inflammatory language you know speaking on behalf of human rights and racism and you go and look at people that unfollowed and i'm like the, the stuff they're tweeting and i'm like this is stuff that i actually agree on like we're actually on the same side of things which goes to show that it's such an inflammatory and volatile time that you can even agree with people and you're finding yourself you know pushing away but the thing is, you know, whether, and I can admit it because a real man can admit when he's vulnerable, and that's also why I'm glad that I that we just got to see a vulnerable side of, of Bruce Lee, the not perfect side, because Lord knows we all have our imperfections. I have plenty, believe me. But what this documentary, I got teary-eyed watching it, just like I've gotten teary-eyed multiple times just looking at my, my news feed, watching just the racism and unrest in the country I live in and love amongst human beings who I have empathy for all but what it does especially and I know you know and, and this does not demean um, you know my white brothers and sisters or their experiences uh, I'm not going to jump on that train nor think nor do I think it should be a train that should be jumped on however you know, speaking as a person of color, and, and, I, and I know my brothers and sisters of color in America can speak to this, that um, seeing these images can reopen wounds. And, and, and at least for me, that's why, whether, you know, watching the documentary, um, thinking back to my own experiences, having to assimilate uh, 
it just reopens those wounds. Seeing, you know, things with cops and um, I've been pulled over a bunch and, and treated like asshole by cops and stuff. Um, I've been I've been pepper sprayed before in fights that I wasn't even taking part in as an under eighteen child. Um, like, um, you know, uh, but, um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I still, I'm still not going to claim that I've had any type of experience like many, uh, black people have had in this country. It's a different level. And that's coming from a person of color who's had negative experience with the police people. Um, I, I can't, I can't even pretend to understand. So none of us are beyond whether the right or the wrong side of things, even if you're on the air quotes right side of things, like I would like to think that I am, you know, standing for human rights and against racism. But even us, we all need to re use this time to reflect and, and make refine our approaches, be better, you know, um, and realize that. Uh, Although Black Lives Matter is the main thing, I will say for the people saying the All Lives Matter, um, if that's the case, then make sure you are not spending your calories by um, inciting hate, more hate online, or anything else. Because, again, no matter what side you are... Or against racism, I think we can all agree for that. I think we should, we can all agree on peaceful protests. These are obvious ones, folks. These are no-brainers. And also, I think we can all agree that we're not for the looting and uh, the and, and the violent parts that are 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 happening. And I'm not going to point fingers on who is doing it because it comes down to opportunism. Opportunism allows for it. And we're hearing that by more educated people whilst other people will probably try to argue that as an excuse. So let me just hang on the word opportunism for a second and remind people that just as the rioting and looting is opportunism, so is posting insightful hate um, by focusing on sides, whether it's superfluous statistics that ignore the fact of systemic racism and hanging on those, like that's an important right now and that's a way to conduct arguments in general much less about this topic, much less right now. Because uh, I see a lot of people burning calories um, in that department, and it and it saddens me. Um, not because they're of a certain political side. I could give a crap about politics, folks. It's, it's about, you know, it's about, you know, freedom where people like you, me, or Bruce goddamn Lee can... <laughs> can thrive in this country because that that's our motto, the land of opportunity. And that opportunity is, is, needs to have a quality attached to it. And that's hopefully what we can see change. And just remember that just as the looting and rioting is opportunistic, so is, um, so is taking this opportunity to tweet and inspire divisiveness rather than inspire, um, peace and progress, which is, I think we should all be focusing on, right? Regardless of your political ideology, peace and progress. Let's, let's focus on that. I'm going to stop ranting folks. This was kind of just my, my little platform. I wanted to sneak in here. Um, I really encourage you to watch the documentary just to get, again, that kind of third party perspective. That's, that's neither black or white. And perhaps it can lend 
a grander perspective to to what is going on now because a lot of us are in pain and although some criticized me for something i post on instagram which the greater message for it was that my dms are open i stand by that even though some <laughs> you know only one you know to be honest it's been nine to one only one ignorant um asshole out there as far as uh, instagram goes um like a- a- accusing me of being bullshit but a lot of you have already taken me up on that um some of you just thinking which you no need to thank me let like i'm just you know I'm just, I'm just trying to be, just trying to be an, uh, I, I don't know how to help, to be honest. I'm not going to preach that I have the fucking answer here, folks. That's the thing. Uh, I'm just saying we should focus on peace and progress. And uh, some of you have actually reached out and shared some of your experiences as, as, as a person of color. And it's just very eye-opening. Um, and it just makes me more sympathetic, empathetic, and, and wanting to be better for myself and for others, so... Again, my DMs are open if anybody needs to talk or support, even if it's, it's nothing to do race-related. Again, I'm not alienating out my Caucasian brothers and sisters. I'm white too, folks. I've got, I've, you know, I've got a lot of ethnicity in me, and I've got a love for all, whether it's in me or not. Wow, that sounded really dirty. You know what I mean. <laughs> so my messages are always open, even if it's fucking COVID-related in the sense that, you know, you've been cooped up in your fucking house, and, you know, you just need someone to talk to because uh, for all my imperfections, uh, I've, uh, <laughs> believe me, I've paid for them in, in the sense of, 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 I've been social distancing before, it's cool, so I've been having to also deal with the surrounding problems of not having that social contact, and it can be detrimental, folks, let me tell you firsthand. So that's why I stress that my DMs are open, um, and to hear your stories or suggestions on how I or we uh, can be better. So thank you for listening, apologies for this end rant, hopefully you liked the interview, um, stay tuned for UFC 250 breakdown. Don't worry, I won't be getting political on you guys. This was just an important issue that needed to be talked about, and it parlayed into something that I particularly like and is relevant and in coming out uh, on ESPN. So, be water, folks. <laughs> Watch be water, and let's all try to be better. Um, stay healthy. Love your brothers and sisters, no matter what their color are, and always protect Ian. Yeah,